standing strong while I'm going and I'm striving. I'm relying on myself for as long as I'm surviving. Taking no excuses because your words are just useless. Kick off the dust and let's do this. Hello and welcome to Remedy, a human awakening, a forum where we discuss the challenges we face as humans navigating today's fast-paced modern society. Thank you for joining us today, Corey and I. We're, we're really enamored. We're just sitting here like like two schoolgirls, two big, sweaty, hairy schoolgirls, sitting here looking at uh, our new Rodecaster Pro. I think I'm saying it right. I don't even know exactly what I bought, but I bought the pod mics. We bought some arms. We got like... We have legitimate shit sitting here right now. And, and for those that don't know, we're episode seven in here. So that means we did six before that. We did it with lav mics attached to Corey's phone sitting. In. So we yeah. only had about three feet of distance from the phone collectively. So we probably couldn't social distance properly because we were limited by wire length at that point. And uh, so we gutted out six, had some feedback from people that maybe they weren't always the best quality, but a good best sounding. But uh, the content we fucking did it is, is really what the, what the point is. At the end of the day, we fucking gutted out six of those the hard way attached to that thing. Um, so, yeah, suck it. We still did six. Well, the, the ultimate irony is, is I had an entire podcast set up <laughs> pretty nice one of that, too. Yeah. Uh, which this is the next iteration of which I'm, I'm excited to play with. But um. But then it was like, you mean the podcaster pro, right? When you say that all of it, you looked right down at my crotch when you said that all of it. Well, you know, it's not fair that you're sitting behind it. Good point. You know, so I uh, do feel like a DJ right now, like mix, like mix master Mike or something like that. Yeah. Like it's really, it's legit. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I do like spending money as you kind of crassly pointed out on a group text the other day. Um, like it's like, like it's a problem. You said it as though this is an issue. And I don't think now that, that like who's laughing now, motherfucker, like, this is what we have because I have a, a spending problem. I, Some I, I definitely problems. don't know if I was ever in the position to make that comment as I have a spending problem as well. Right. You threw yourself under the bus when you threw me under the bus. Oh, okay. You did say it in a somewhat of an accusatory manager. Oh, manner. that's fine. Yeah. Well, we, you, you know, know what? in episode eight, we could, uh, we can address your insecurities and why you feel compelled to address this, uh, in this fashion forum. Maybe wait till episode 20 for that one. That seems like a better, you know, what's funny is that, the first six episodes actually started off and, and had a topic and a meaning instead of a, just a weird rant and a flex on the internet. I just feel like we're in such a better professional space. We could talk shit for a minute, right? When we're, when we're discussing what we're going to talk about in episode seven, now that we're in episode seven, I was just so excited. I was just so excited to start recording this and go, here we are folks. We've arrived. We got, we got a table sitting here. We don't have the the little lamp table anymore <laughs> that I carried in here each time. <laughs> like you people are going to be amazed, prepare to be dazzled on. Yeah, maybe not this episode. Maybe it's going to take us a few more. So it doesn't mean we're any better. It just means that the shit we have here, um, it's pro quality. Not going to lie. Yeah. It's, it's we have pro. the ability to produce content far, far beyond what our capability is of creating. Yeah. Uh, I kind of just, um, based on my spending spree, just took away any excuses we had for sucking. <laughs> really. We could blame it on, on the equipment before. And now it's like, I don't know. I can't talk good. Cause I'm tied to Corey three feet away from me, but not anymore folks. Fucking roadcaster pro. Yeah. That we were literally were tethered together. We, it, it's not a joke. We really were. We're like kind of distant Siamese twins. <laughs> so I, but we do I, want to talk about what go no i was gonna say should we a, talk about it's a good segue talking. right yeah. is is the adversity that we face in the first six episodes <laughs> yeah you know we've been able to work through some of those things mm-hmm. and put ourselves in a better place to succeed yeah. it's basically like working at a sweatshop but that is what we're talking about today is facing adversity uh and and the adversity we faced as we sat up in in my second story of of my nice house with air conditioning and and yeah so we're going to talk about adversity as we record a podcast on this is weird this this whole the whole beginning of, of this podcast has like a like a flex undertone okay we're flexing <laughs> i mean we're not fly- you, you, you talked shit about joe rogan didn't have anything on, it, on on us but we got right you got a fucking ipad set up right there that you can look at joe rogan's got a fucking like shitty new stu- i hate the new studio I it's really like a like bunker it. it's like a, it looks like he's like in an old bunker it looks like in one of those quonset huts but it's just big enough to park your riding lawnmower in like, a, like an oversized like campbell soup can 
Yeah, like half of a Campbell's suit can. It looks like if you made a fort in your living room when you were a kid and then put some fucking microphones in it. No offense, Joe Rogan. I know you're much more popular and richer yeah. than I am, but um, your new studio sucks balls. I like the old one a lot better. But I think burned to the ground, didn't it? Talk about facing adversity. Yeah, no, I think his, his studio burnt down in those Malibu fires. Uh, really? I believe so. Interesting. And then he said, suck it, California. I'm out of here and moved to Texas. So, uh, But what we did want to talk about today was literally facing adversity. Um, it's something we all face. It's, uh, it's, it's a part of life. And I think that as we talk about adversity and what it's like for people, we kind of have to separate that into two things. There's like daily adversity. We, we all live under adversity. Uh, you know, I mean, Jesus, we're bombarded by radiation from the sun and, and things like that. So just, we have that in and of itself. Um, but really honestly, life is adversity and, either prepare for it in our daily decisions or we're overrun by it. So I kind of wanted to, as we talk about adversity, break it down in, into what I think and what we think adversity is there. Cause it's, it's way too easy and it's way too broad to just say, well, life is adverse. Okay. Well, getting a, a electric bill that was slightly higher than you were, you were uh, prepared for is one form of adversity and getting the news that you have cancer is a different form of adversity. They're all, they're all adversity, but there are levels to that. So we could kind of probably break it down into small adversity, just daily stuff. That's maybe uncomfortable. Um, and then, and then big adversity, some things that life throws at you. And they're usually things that you, you can't foresee. So I think it's super important as we talk about adversity, um, why it's important to talk about adversity, because the undertone for this podcast will be, uh, where we're kind of at in society where we're, adverse to facing adversity. We like, we're, we're trying to bubble wrap everything and bubble wrap our children to not feel discomfort. And that is not how nature and life works in any way. And so whether you like it or not, and whether you're prepared for it or not, um, it's fucking coming for you. No, I completely agree. I think one of the interesting aspects of this is the fact that there's a lot of self created adversity. You know, there's, there's things that we've ignored or chosen not to do that are indicative of what needs to be done for us to accomplish our goals or to move the ball forward. You like know, give me an example of that eating healthy. There you go. Yeah. Exercising regularly. Right. You know, these are these are things that we don't make time for. We don't prioritize um, and then have unintended consequences, you know, as we as we go throughout life, you know, and then you end up facing a variety of adversities. It could be health. It could be um, low testosterone levels for men. Right. It could be hormonal issues due to a poor diet. Um, you know, it could be hypertension. It could be, you know, diabetes, things like that. Um, things that for the most part are within our control but we don't prioritize. We create adversity and then that can compound itself. And then we, you know, we have to make the decision of, do we persevere? Do we correct our course of action or do we woe is me and fall victim to the things that we've created for ourselves, you know, above and beyond the things that are existential that we can't control that are happening to us. Those are, those are the daily small things that you have that, that may seem inconsequential today when you, when you're, deciding to take the easier route. But I think in the long term, if you take the easier choice, if you have the choice to to get out of bed an hour early and work out versus get an hour of sleep because you think you need it. Um, and you made a poor choice the night before to go to bed earlier, uh, those things stack on each other. So you, you make that choice today. You take the easier of that, those two things, because you're, you're avoiding that adversity or it's too hot outside or it's too cold or it's raining or it's snowing or it's Whatever little thing that is, is facing you, your brain goes, uh, but what if you just sat here? What if on this nice, cold, rainy day, we just sat and watched a movie and you decide not to work out that day? And that is what's breaking your habit of you've worked out every day for the last week and you're getting in that really great habit pattern. And then you choose because it's going to be a little uncomfortable today to short circuit that. And then your brain goes, let's take that shortcut. Let's take that shortcut and let's, uh, let's make different choices. Like you said eating choices, all of these little small daily choices that add up. And that's the thing about adversity is sometimes these things are, are really, 
they're insidious and they're small and you don't really think about it until you're facing the effects of like pre-diabetes or something because you decided that you love Mountain Dew Code Red more than life itself. And I don't know anything about that addiction because I've never faced it in my life where I've actually literally wanted to take a bath one time in Mountain Dew. I love Mountain Dew so much. I'm speaking about myself from here. Mountain Dew Code Red. It's, it's my it's my kryptonite. Uh, and so you, you make that choice and you're drinking it and you're like, oh, what does it matter? Because you're not looking at the back of the uh, bottle and realizing how much damn sugar is in in uh, the, the bigger bottles. And so pretty soon you keep drinking that and drinking that. And now you're facing the bigger adversity of being pre-diabetic or something like that, or just feeling like shit all the time because you're eating like crap and you don't work out and you took the easy route on, on all those days. So that covers self-imposed adversity. Yeah. Right. But to the previous point of, you know, there's things that we can't control like cancer, you know, um, financial adversity, things like that. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's so broad, right. But at the end of the day, it's something is happening to us while they're self-imposed mm-hmm. and it's up to us to decide if, how we're going to respond yeah. to that adversity. So I think it, we could break not only just um, small adversity and big adversity, but we can also break it into uh, some of the things we talked about on the last podcast is like limiting beliefs, right? The things that we have, we tell ourselves and then things that, that we're, we can fall victim to because of our own internal programming. Some of that can also kind of piggyback into the adversity that we're facing when it comes to making choices and we go, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable. If I do this, this is not something I want to do. Um, do I want to make a healthy eating choice when I'm out to dinner tonight? Do I want to have dessert or do I want to forego it or eat something a little lighter on that? So that's some like mild adversity. And those are the things that you legitimately have control over. Um, do I want to get up when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm tired, when, uh, it's cold outside, at that, but then you kind of threw out the, the big adversity things that, that come at you. So we can kind of break those up into, into four categories, big and small adversity, and then, uh, external adversity, and then things you bring upon yourself. So you can have small adversity, uh, in your daily life. Do I want to get up when it's cold and work out? That's not a big thing, but it could lead to a big thing. And that's something you directly have a choice over. And then there's the external adversity that's coming at you, things that are happening. Do I want to pay this bill today or do I want to fuck off and buy um, a Roadcaster Pro so I can make a podcast with my friend? Um, those are things that you're making the decision over and they're small adversity, but it's it's coming from external influences. Do I want to, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of something where you can take the easy, like, do I do this project at work and get it done today? So I, then I'm not bogged down, uh, on further days and I have more time. So you have these choices that are small and big and then things that you're choosing for yourself. And then, like you said, big adversity, those are the big life things, um, tragedy, illness, financial crisis. Those are things that sometimes get thrown into our, our lives and we have no real control over them. Um, you know, if, illness, you find out somebody in your family has, has some sort of like terminal illness and, or something that maybe they be, maybe they won't, but how are we going to respond to that? Yeah. I think, you know, uh, a perfect example of this. And I think one of the reasons why we both thought this topic was important is we look at the past year. It is, it, no one has gone unaffected by this, Mm -hmm. right? It's had some form of an impact on every single human being on the planet for the most part. And we all have the ability to respond in some fashion, others not, right? And then that triggers a response in what it is that we do and how we are prioritizing other things, right? And so whether it's you you or a family member or someone close to you contracted COVID and they were sick and had to quarantine, things like that, that creates adversity. You can't go to work. What do you do? How do you provide for your family? How do you take care of your kids if you're a single parent? things like that, um, to having your business completely shut down, you know, so that you, you don't have the ability to earn a living in the fashion in which maybe you've been doing it for the last 25 years, you know? Um, so when you're faced with these adversities, a, a good example would be like the restaurant industry. Yeah. Um, whether I agree with constructing 
outdoor buildings in an indoor fashion. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much sense that makes, right? You know, set up in closed tents. Um, I know, right? Question any of this? I know. I've, I've, I haven't learned my lesson yet. So, what are the effectiveness? But that is those businesses were faced with significant adversity, mm-hmm. and they. I think they operated within some poorly structured guidelines and kind of found a loophole to be able to maintain some form of revenue stream yeah. to be able to help, you know, keep their, um, their cooperative providers, you know, so whoever is providing them their, you know, meat and vegetables and things like that, um, you know, to be able to provide for their employees, you know, and so, but then there's a limitation on that. And then, so how far can they go to benefit everyone else? And at what point in time do they have to take care of themselves? you know, so that they do have the opportunity to come back in the future, you know, when these restrictions are, are lifted so that they can continue to move forward and provide jobs and opportunities for other people while offering a service. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's pretty interesting that in some fashion, we all faced a similar adversary in this, that, that brought the adversity into our lives. We, we all were confronted with the exact same set of facts how it affected us uh, had a large part to do with where you fell on the spectrum of essential worker, um, what your business was, whether what your personal beliefs were, um, and and how you could be affected. Some people actually thrived during this time and made a lot more money or started businesses, and and then um, I know a lot of people that sat back and and waited for help to come, and it not going to, or you didn't qualify for it or, you know, so I think for me, it was, it was the most, um, profound time, well, certainly in my life of watching what people are made of, honestly, but even outside of a, a global fucking pandemic of, of being a test for us all, um, we've all had it. I mean, we've all had those things in our life. I've, I've been divorced more times than I care to admit. And, uh, you know, those are things, those are some adversity that I faced that were also of my own creation. I've made choices that, that weren't conducive to staying married. And then, uh, also made choices that in the long run would benefit me, which, which is going through divorces and moving my home and, and moving a business and stuff like that. So at the times where I've been like deepest in the middle of that stuff, um, I've always just thought I have to get through this on my own. Like I can't, I, I don't want to be one of those people that's just wallowing around. And I think when you make those choices, going back to the small and big choices, when you make that choice to get out of bed, when you're uncomfortable, and when you make that choice to work out when you're uncomfortable, and and I'm saying this with a huge air of hypocrisy because I'm on a really big lull for, uh, working out like, well, I think you are too. We both have not ridden our bikes because we're incredibly busy over the last couple of weeks. I've ridden my bike twice in the last three weeks, which is two more times than you have. And, uh, you know, that's something that's near and dear to our hearts. And, um, so we are choosing to do other things than get up and work out and do the things that we should be doing for our own health. So uh, I'm not preaching when I say that stuff, I'm, I'm kind of self-admitting that, that I'm not where I should be with that. But so I'm making those small choices that should something big come along in my life right now, it would, I would be less suited than at the times where I was really buckling down and, and being attentive to my own, um, schedule, my own personal, um, uh, mental health and doing that. The, the times where I've been the hardest in my life, when things come into it, I'm better prepared for that because there are things like tragedy that you have no control over. We're all three seconds away from a horrible phone call kind of thing, you know? And, and it's something that, um, in my prior life in law enforcement, I was often the harbinger of that, uh, news. And, and I always thought how, um, how surreal it is to knock on somebody's door and realize as soon as they open that door, their life is forever changed. It's changed right now. They don't know it, but as soon as they open that door and see me, they know what's fucking coming in the middle of the night, you don't see a, an officer standing there because I'm going to tell you, you won the lottery, you know? And so you can see it on their face as soon as they open it and have a realization that it's law enforcement and why, and as they're trying to process it, they realize their life's going to change. And as that tragedy confronts them, and then I'm able to just walk away and go on with the rest of my life, you kind of look at that and go, 
we're all one knock on the door away from that kind of news. And and what are we going to do about it? What, wh- how prepared are we right now for that thing happening? And that's, I think that's why this topic is so important for us today to talk about is you think that you have, well, you think you have time on your side sometimes, and you think that these little choices you make where you take the easy route out, or you are not preparing your child for a certain, um, uncomfortableness and you're not doing this and you're not doing that, you're avoiding all of this discomfort. Well, sometimes those knocks on your door are the most uncomfortable thing you'll ever experience. And if you've taken the easy route out and you've asked everybody else to save you and you've, you frankly, if I'm going to just be honest, if you've been a little bitch your whole life about it of, I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to keep all the mess away from me. Keep all the discomfort. I'm like, Oh, and, and then, then you get that knock on the door or a fucking global pandemic rolls through and we all in, in your business gets shut down and you're told you can't do this. Like, do you fight or do you fold at that point? Yeah, no, it's <clears throat> people have been forced to learn a lot about themselves going through this. And some people haven't learned anything through going through this experience. There's yeah. some people out there that are blaming others. They're, they're waiting for the solution. They're just, they're just literally waiting it out. Um, and I, and I feel bad because not, not that I think that I know a better way, but I don't know how you're living if you're not striving and fighting for each and every day. Like, I don't know where you're at in your life and your mindset to where it's just, yeah, I'm waiting for tomorrow. You're, I, you're not I had entitled for anything early on in this pandemic thing as people I knew that owned businesses, I own a business as well as people I knew that owned businesses and they're freaking the fuck out. And I, and I was like, did you never think anything was going to happen? Why aren't you prepared? Like maybe not pre- be prepared to be shut down for long times, but in the beginning they were only talking about a, a period of time. We all knew that was probably horseshit, but still, Hey, you got to be shut down for a month. Why are you not financially prepared? And again, I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm not saying I was or wasn't, but I have other means available to me that my business is not my own source of support. Why were you so woefully prepared for something, anything? What if your building caught on fire? What if there was a, a fucking water main break and you can't be open for three weeks? Why is the, why is the thought of being closed for a short period of time mean you're going to lose fucking everything? You didn't, you took easy choice. You made you made the easy choices when you should have made the hard choices. Did you pay yourself more than you should have been because you weren't building up your war chest? Were you frivolous with your spending in other areas? And again, I'm not preaching. I'm talking about the things I know I've done too. Yeah, I, I think it's hard. Um, I think I think it comes back to, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but it, it comes down to education, you yeah. know, and we don't prioritize those things. We don't teach people how to manage their financial needs and the things that is that they, they want to accomplish, you know, and there's a very small, basic nominal things that every person can do for their child. And if they just let it ride and maintain it for 60 years, they'll be able to retire a self-funded retirement. And it's, it's pretty simple and we don't talk about it and we don't do it. And it's just one of those convenient things, you know, um, it's, it's as simple as going to the store and buying groceries and making dinner versus rolling through the drive through, you know, holy shit. Just, I have to get this out. My, uh, my wife was going to make dinner. She didn't want to make dinner. Yeah. I, going back to your point of not exercising things like that. I've I've had a fairly shitty attitude for a few weeks. I've been, I've been busy. People are getting on my nerves because I'm trying to get things done and they're getting in my way. Um, And I'm not a very patient person when I'm trying to get shit off my plate. Um, And so I'm deferring, you know, the responsibility of making meals to my wife and, uh, and she, she doesn't mind doing it. So um, it's not like, Hey woman, make me food while I'm over here working. Right. (laughs) It's not that undertone. She wouldn't fly. That shit wouldn't fly in my house. Our our female listeners. No, I think there's one, right? Yeah. I don't know. You ever check the demographics? No, definitely not. Okay. No, I, I don't Please let there be one. Right. <laughs> um, anyways. So I, I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, but my wife's bipolar. Uh-huh. She has impulse control issues. She's, she's been going through her own few things and she has been dealing with her own adversity with, um, being a top producer in her field of work uh-huh. and she was hired. She's basically like a Ferrari at her job yeah. and they're fucking using her nice. and Over they, nice, maybe. 
<laughs> and uh, they're they're understaffed for what it is they're doing, but this job still needs to get done. So sure. she's having to do more. Um, and, and it comes with the territory. If, if you want to be that premium producer and you want that paycheck, you, yeah. you got to rise to the occasion, right? Yeah. Um, in the middle of her dealing with all these things, um, she gets a text message out of nowhere from, from her mom. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I can't quote it because I don't remember it exactly, but it was just really sh- just a fucked up way to start a Friday. And it was just like, uh, I don't understand why you don't make time for me or whatever. Um, we have issues, but don't reach out to me. I'll reach out to you when we're good. Like, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? Right. And I happened to, uh, I happened to be, you know, sitting next to her when she was working and she read them out. I'm like, who texted you? She's like, my mom, she told me what it was. And her mom was just basically throwing a bitch fit that she hadn't reached out and, and talked to her. Yeah. And it's like, I have a fucking phone. You can call me. You can, t- you just texted me. Right. You can reach out to me if you want to talk. Yeah. Um, and her mom's a very manipulative person. Um, and she starts, well, what about this person? I bet you're spending time with this person. I bet you're calling them. And like, my wife is just working her fucking ass off. Like uh-huh. she's, she's literally putting in like 12 hour days. Yeah. So that kind of like derails her squirrels her because they don't have the healthiest relationship. So bipolar impulse controls, not really want to do things, lacking motivation on her part, feeling overwhelmed with a lot of different things. She's like, I'm going to go get some KFC. I'm like, cool. God damn, that does sound good. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I was like, perfect. I know exactly what I want. I want one of those fucking fat kid bowls, like the KFC bowls that's got everything in it because yeah. why not? Right. Um, and she comes home and she has bags. Bags. So she, I know she likes those bowls. Yeah. So, I mean, three of those bowls, one for me, one for her, one for the kid. Don't yeah. fit in one bag. Right. Why do you have multiple bags? Not two bags, three bags. Yeah. And I'm looking at her and I'm just like, what the fuck? And she's, she makes a comment. She's like, I think, I think they gave me more food than I ordered. And I'm like, that's odd. And then start going through it. She has a fucking 12 piece meal. Uh-huh. Then she has a 12 piece fucking chicken tender meal. So now I have like four or five things of mashed potatoes. Yeah. I got a couple of sides of coleslaw. I got two boxes of biscuits yeah. plus all the fucking KFC bowls. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Just like, how much was it? She's like, I don't know. I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks. I'm like, what the fuck? That's a, like, that's a hurt at KFC. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. And I'm still looking. I'm like, I guess they did give her fucking more food because those meals are like 20 bucks a piece. Sure. And she's got two meals plus this other shit. And yeah. I was like, they just handed her too much stuff. Yeah. No, they didn't. Uh, <laughs> so, huh. so dealing with adversity, right? So yeah. while I have a spending problem, my wife has a spending problem. She doesn't want to admit. Sure. And so whatever number she actually spends is pro and tells me it's probably a lot bigger than that. Right. So I get an alert through my bank account app and it's like, Oh, you know, like, Hey, large deposit. And yeah. I'm like, somebody in a bus went through KFC and used your card. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just fed a football team. Yeah. U S banks all like, what the fuck did you just buy a stock in KFC? That's yeah. not how this works. Nobody ever spends that much money at KFC. Yeah. We think you've been fraudulent. <laughs> so, uh, it's not so hard. I, no, it's definitely not. Whatever. <laughs> I, uh, so I log in to see what this other transaction was. It was just a, a deposit for tax refunds. Uh, and uh or tax returns and uh and i'll scroll through the transaction list to find it because it's all these she's spending money bang 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 all these different places uh-huh. and then i see kfc she spent 79 dollars oh. at kfc like how the fuck does that happen yeah i haven't told her about it okay because i'm like well she didn't know i mean she knows so like at what point does she really know yeah she ordered it all I know she it's handed just, them the card. They, they said it over the thing, or they have it on the screen. I mean, I she know. may have ignored it all, but it wasn't like she. Oh yeah, no, no, she wasn't bamboozled. Without, yeah, right, not at exactly. All. <laughs> they didn't add some shit for them on it, where you're like, I have a receipt for thirty dollars, but they charged me for seventy nine. No, she 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 stress bought. I mean, we all yeah. do. not we all do it. I do it. Yeah, but it was so it was just all this equipment sitting here. <laughs> it was just so funny because I'm just like, yeah. all right, like. So that's how so one of the ways it. she's handling adversity is by uh, hiding behind um, purchases or, or soothing herself via food. Well, exactly. And that, yeah. And that, that, so her first choice when she faced the adversity of, of her mom being a shithead to her was, I'm just going to go do some self-destructive immediate behavior. I'm going to eat some comfort foods. Could God damn it. KFC is, is good tasting, even though we all know it's terrible for you, but I'm going to go do that. So, I'm just going to soothe myself and, and 
then on top of it, I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of money doing it too. And there's no possible way you guys could have eaten all that food. So no, no, that, Oh yeah, that was okay. There's a, <laughs> so I, uh, so I, I forgot what I did, but I ended up like going back out into the living room and, and I was in my office, uh, eating dinner and I go back out in the living room. Oh, that's, she had spilled gravy on herself. <laughs> Right. Like just just, like, a, like, just your demise was, was final that night. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then, um, gravy all over my shirt. Yep. Yeah. Final destination via KFC. Oh. So, uh, so I go out there and help her out and then I'm like walking away and I know I'm like, Hey, like, why is there another bowl there? Like, is that my son's like, has yeah. he not eaten? Do I need to send him out here? Oh. Like, she's like, I, uh, I might've gotten two for me. I'm like, what the? Fuck. I'll just like, okay, like I'm out of here. Like, I don't know what fucking program you're on right now. Like what you're dealing with and and how you need to like, clearly like this is, this is overwhelming. You just back out of the room though. (laughs) Slowly. Right. So she's feeling, she's dealing with her own adversity. Right. Sure. And, and she's fucking dealing with fucking the Colonel Sanders solution. She's like, (laughs) fucking just like, I'll I'll go and take fucking 12 of these and 10 of those. Right. Um, but I faced adversity. Uh-huh. I, I'm watching her make the self-destructive hat or decisions right. that she's trying not to do. Um, and there's a part of it that's cognitive. There's a part of it that's happening on a subconscious level um, that she's not really in control of her decision making with her impulse control issues. But do I sit there and have that conversation? Do I try to help her maybe make a better choice? Do I fucking say, hey, I'll make dinner instead of allowing her to go to KFC or, you know, suggesting that that's a good idea by asking for a famous bowl? Yeah. Um, You know, and so how her moment of weakness and my lack of willingness to help confront that issue and partner up with what we both know is a better solution than what she was going to do. And then having that snowball Mm -hmm. into a fucking 70 something dollar trip to KFC. Right. You but know. even bigger, did you eat shitty for the next couple of days after that? Cause you made that one choice. The, oh yeah. I woke up this morning eating fucking chicken tenders for breakfast. Wow. Good man. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, the cold oh, so chicken this was tenders. last night. Yeah. This is yesterday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But so for you, you've been trying to get back on the wagon that, that we, we have collectively all fallen off. Like we didn't just fall off the wagon. We fell off the wagon, but there was a cliff next to us. And so we're at the bottom of that cliff. Got to work our way back up to even get on the goddamn wagon. I don't know. So, all of us. I think it's just you and I, I'm going to throw everybody under the bus here too. I'm going to say everybody has, I fucked Todd and his new non Peloton Peloton, you know, like, so what if he's out there like, yeah, working, like getting PRs on his home bike and shit like that. And John's out there riding his little fucking ass. I don't care about any of them. What I'm saying is we've all fallen off the wagon in some fashion or not. So fuck those guys. And they're overachievers right now. I don't care. Uh, they don't live the lives we live, right? That's the story I'm going to tell myself. They don't yeah. face the adversity I've, I've faced this week. Uh, yeah. poor me. I'm special. But you are. So have you been riding your, your, your gravel bike? No, I haven't done anything. And I've, and I've cause st- you're now, so that these are the choices you're leading. Right. You're now telling yourself, I don't have the time to do it. Cause I know you're incredibly busy at work. And just all of a sudden it came at you. You, you, but I'm not that busy and that's the shitty part. Right. But it's, you're telling yourself you are, you've sold yourself the fucking lie that, that right now the adversity you're facing in your life is you went from working like one and a half hours a day to, um, 12 hours a day <laughs> or maybe a solid seven. I don't know, but no, you, you, you were, you were trucking along at a, at a pace and then your, your guys' business just exploded as you had hoped it was. You just didn't think it was going to happen. Some of the goals you guys set, you're, you're double that the actual goal. And so now you're, you're suddenly busy. And, and what did, what suffered first you're eating and you're fucking working out. And, and again, I'm not like throwing shade at you cause I'm doing the same goddamn thing. Every day I tell myself I'm going to go do something. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to do that. I don't have the time to eat the healthy stuff or I deserve it. Or, um, you know, I had a long day, so I'm going to eat whatever it is I want. And so we tell ourselves that all the time when that that's adversity. I think, I think that what we're trying to say and the point we're trying to make here is that we tend to over grandize adversity and go, well, my mom didn't die this week. You know, that's the adversity that I was, but it's all these small little things here. Um, and you, you had a, you had a huge a fork in the road to go with your wife, right? Like you could stand up and go, I'm going to take one for the team, but we're going to fight. If I say 
you can't go to KFC. You can't like not not saying anything to her after the fact. Like, what are you going to do once you figure out she spent eighty bucks on KFC? Like, oh, I, I just <laughs> I laugh and talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> nobody listens anyways. So it ain't getting back to her. Let's be honest. Um, so you you can you can't address it after the fact, but you had it like one of those pivotal moments of do. And, and I think that's what our, a point we're going to make here shortly because we're really trying to um, is you, when it comes to adversity, sometimes there is no better choice like Jordan Peterson has like a magical saying when it comes to this on one of his podcasts, some of the things he's written in his books and stuff. It's like, sometimes it's just the choice between the two shittier things. It's, it's, lions and tigers and and do you want death by a thousand paper cuts or do you want your head lopped off by a samurai sword sometimes there's no better choice though the choice that you had facing you there was do i in this moment where i know my wife is is spiraling and i'm gonna let her go out that door because i don't want to fight and i don't want to have this turn into personal strife here or do you stand up and go we're trying to eat healthier. We're trying to maintain. And I know by letting you make this choice, you can be mad at me because you're going to now focus on me not doing that. Um, but in the long run, I won't be off my eating program. You won't be off your eating program. We all know when it comes and we'll, I'm sure talk on this, uh, talk about this on later episodes and stuff. Eating choices affect your mental health. So if she's struggling with bipolar and depression and all the stuff we all are eating like shit does not help your cause. You won't sleep well. You'll be inflamed. You'll be like all of these other fucking things. And so in that choice, in that moment, you have a choice to make. <laughs> Do I slowly back out of the room <laughs> and leave her to her two bowls of, of shit? Or even before she goes, go like, no, 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 I'll make food or let's grab whatever healthy, op- op- like we go get Jack's. There's something healthier at Jack's urban eats instead of going to KFC you bitched out. We all know the answer to that, but, but you, you made, there was, there was, you, you had like, which choice do I make? They both suck. Yeah. It will. And and I think the the worst thing about her, and the reason I brought it up is the fact that there was a series of what were perceived as convenient choices that were being made over an extended period of time that led up to us not being properly prepared to respond to this adversity. True. Right. And so had we, done a better job of shopping and making sure the refrigerator was stocked, having a better plan of what meal was going to be made so that I could step up and help her, you know, in, in the time of when she's overwhelmed by things and go, Hey, no problem. I'll take care of making the chicken or whatever it is tonight. Right. Right. You know, we weren't being proactive and in, in ensuring that we were going to hit certain metrics or goals, you know, or ideals that it was that were, they were working towards, yeah. um, you know? And so actually on the way over here, her and I had the conversation of like, Hey, like we, we have to do a better job of identifying why we continue to run into these problems and what is it that we can do that's going to pacify you, as an individual, her and both myself and, and hopefully under the narrative that we can do it as a couple together, right? right? Cause we are doing this together and I don't want to come up with a plan that becomes divisive between the two of us. Right. And now we're not only trying to solve these problems, but we're battling amongst ourselves, right. you know, for whatever we perceive the solution to be. And I think it's one of the best lessons that I more, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from 75 hard was these small goals while insignificant on their own, the totality of them were great. And, you know, how you open up in the in the beginning of the podcast of your mindset and being prepared for these larger, more external adversities that come your way and how you're going to respond, whether it's a pandemic or tragedy within a family member or cancer or things like that. Or getting a shitty text from your mom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's when you were on 75 hard, right, if if a problem or something, some form of adversity came your way. I, I'm willing to bet, especially after like day 30, it was just, I'm going to, whatever the fuck it is, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to address it. I'm going to tackle it. And I'm going to yeah. move the fuck on. Yeah. Right. And it was yeah. literally, it was just, I'm going to dominate whatever's between me and the end of the day and hitting my goals. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I miss the most and is infuriating for me because I clearly proved that I could do that. And I, for whatever reason, I'm choosing not to, I'm choosing convenience. I'm choosing comfort over that. And I'm battling with myself of what was different. And we've talked about it on the podcast, you know, that I'm not 
doing it with other people. I don't have this daily checklist that I'm following. I'm not accountable to this plan or this idea of doing this thing. But how do we achieve the same level of discipline within ourselves? How do we create that so that we are better prepared to overcome adversity when it it presents itself? Well, I think we talked about it on, on that episode where we were delving in a little bit more into that. And I think what it boils down to is, is the audacity for us to believe that in 75 days, we were going to really truly turn around many years of poor choices. It's not going to happen. If, if you have five years of, of daily poor choices, when it just comes to eating habits, I'll let everybody else do the math. Cause I'm fucking terrible at it, but it's well over uh, what would that be over 1500 days clearly of that you're fighting against in 75 days. So if you just think about it as a, as a mental exercise, and I think it's a great way of of talking about how to cope with adversity because these small things will help you. If you get that terrible knock on the door, working out your mind in the same way that you work out your muscles. Right. And and that's what we did on 75 hard is for 75 days, we made a series of choices and, and, and however many things we had to do on that program. Every time we made the choice twice a day to work out, we did that 75 times twice a day. So we made 150 conscious decisions to go out and work out one of those workouts being outside. So whether it was hot, whether it was cold, whether it was raining, whatever it was, we made that choice. But I don't think for us that we, it was long enough to do that because we're, we're overcoming five, 10, 15, 20 years of, of not working out, of eating improperly, of just being lazy in, um, the choices I make may what, whatever it is, it just simply wasn't long enough. So if I, if I want to be able to, um, bench press 300 pounds and all I can do is a hundred right now, how long would I have to do to how, how long would I have to keep building my muscle to be able to, to put up that amount of weight. The adversity of 300 pounds is too great for me right now. I can't handle it, but I can make a bunch of small choices in lifting smaller amounts of weight over and over and over and over and build those muscles up to be able to, to hit that goal. And then suddenly 300 pounds doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but right now I probably physically couldn't fucking do it. I mean, I'm pretty swollen. I could probably get it up with like seven helpers, but like you you can't do that. So for our minds, and that's what the genius behind 75 hard is, is not asking you to do these like giant overreaching things day one. It's just continue to do these things that in, in and of themselves are not in, insurmountable and keep doing them long enough and move through lots of discomfort. But I think in hindsight now, what, where it caught us is that we finished 75 and and the 76th day, we're like, we've made it, we've graduated. And instead of looking at it more like alcoholics that are in rehab, you don't go through a 30 day rehab program or, or alcoholics anonymous and do your 12 steps. You're like, well, fuck, I graduated my 12 steps. I can go hang out in bars or I, I can start drinking and I won't have that problem anymore. If you're an alcoholic and you're, or you're an addict or you're anything like that, it's a lifelong struggle against those things. And you realize that taking one drink will set you off or could set you off. And so you avoid, I think that like model for programming is so much better than this thing. Of, and I'm not bashing on 75 hard because it, it is truly one of the most magical programs out there, but it is still just a challenge. You finish that thing and it's just like running a race. You cross the finish line and go, okay, so if you and I wanted to go run a marathon right now, we could do whatever training we wanted to, to achieve that goal. We go run the race, cross the finish line, put our arms up, take the fucking picture. Do we stop running at that point? Like if I wanted to be a healthy person the rest of my life, that thing doesn't stop there. And I think that's, that's what happens when it comes to adversity is we, we break these things off into small little chunks here and there and, and is our mind truly as hard as it could be when, when we make better choices here and there? Yeah. Well, I think one of the genius things behind 75 hard, there's a lot of them, right? But if it was, Hey, you're going to do these things for the rest of your life. You know, if it was one of those programs, it would be the, the, the point from where I am and what that goal is, is too far for me to have the motivation to take on that endeavor. So by making it 75 days, Comparatively, it's not in long period of time. And so I think I know for me, I was willing to run this experiment. Yeah. 
Well, you also wife. didn't know what the experiment was when you signed on no, for it. No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't want to say I tricked you. You were the dummy that signed up for it not knowing what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it just goes to show what I thought of you. And I was like, oh, you can do it. I can do it. Yeah. I did it. It wasn't fun. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but it's, I think it's about making things digestible and making sure that we set goals that we can hit. Because it's very important that we succeed. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't believe in giving people accolades for things that they didn't accomplish, right. like participation trophies and things like that. But it doesn't mean that you can't have some form of award or recognition. And, and it, oftentimes it can be self-assigned. Sure. You know, whether it's, Hey, if I save up X amount of dollars, you know, I want to be able to buy these pair of shoes, or I want to be able to buy this bike part, or I want to do these things. Or if I hit this, you know, sales figure, you know, to be able to do these things, to reinvest in the business. And I think it's important about setting goals, holding ourselves accountable so that we get better at coping with things that get in our way from when we're trying to accomplish our goals. And we build up these small habits, right? And, and they truly are habits and they empower us to help overcome adversity when we face it. And, you know, we're working out our minds and our bodies in unison so that we are cognitively and physically prepared for what that, that adversity is to the best of our abilities. And it doesn't mean you know, I take my fat ass. I'm like, okay, I want to run a marathon. You know, I can't, I shouldn't make my goal. I want to run a marathon next month. Right. But a year is a fairly reasonable period of time or in two years, you know, whatever that is. And then being able to make that commitment and to build up that tolerance and the resilience to be able to overcome the adversity. No one ever just has that innate ability of just, okay, I'm, I'm just going to fucking do it. It's a series of life events and conditioning that sets us up for success or failure in those situations. And it's right. our responsibility to recognize that or to partner up with people. I believe that relationships are key in this situation that there's going to be times where you don't have the fucking motivation. You don't want to do it. Right. And if you can rely or, um, I guess find, an external source of motivation from a peer or a coworker or someone like that, that understands your goals and that you value their opinion. They, they're, they can help you touch back into what got you motivated originally to help you carry along the way as we kind of did, you know, for each other through 75 hard, yeah. you know, those things are important because I think it's an unrealistic expectation that, well, you should just be able to go do everything on your own. Right. Right. So if we understand that we can't do these things on our own and we understand that, not, we're not going to be able to succeed at every single thing we do. And we have to set healthy expectations of ourselves and of others and a partner up with like-minded people that want to be better amongst themselves. And I think to, to kind of build on what you're saying, not to just disagree with you, but to, to kind of give a, a slightly different spin. One of the things that popped in my mind as we're talking about this is the book can't hurt me by David Goggins and it following David Goggins. That dude is the poster child for how to face adversity. Cause you said like, I would have to prepare for this and do that. And I'm thinking, well, David ran out, went out and run that hundred miler with no preparation. Nobody's recommending that you go fucking do that, but it shows what you can do. If you go, I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to face adversity and I'm going to, I'm going to steal my brain to, to go harder and harder and harder and, and overcome things that, that we, believe would be a limitation. If you and I were forced to do it as in somebody's behind us. And if we stop, they will shoot us and kill us. We could run a marathon right now. We would be broke off doing it. And we would be fucking like probably couldn't walk for three weeks after that, but we could. However, when given space and given latitude, like if I said you have cancer and it's terminal, but at the end of 26 miles, you have the cure for it. it that will cure your cancer and you you can you'll you'll get there but you can't stop moving you can't pause and take a break you have to either walk or run and get there you'd do it you you'd find out a way to do it tremendous adversity but you could do that so that's one of the things i was thinking about and i think it's really important to distinguish between relying on other people as your escape on that and surrounding yourself with motivated people and, and this is something that I think helped us through 75 hard was we didn't, we didn't rely on each other. I know you reached out to me once or twice during that thing. And, and, and I know what you were looking for. And I'm like, I, I can't be the reason you you're motivated to do this. I can, I can 
tell you what I feel. I can tell you what I think, but I have to choose my words to you very carefully because if you were trying to use me to motivate you, you're not going to pass this because we're early on into this and it's not, I won't be there. I'm not, I can't get, come to your house in the morning and get your ass out of bed when, when you don't want to. So we relied on each other as a group and surrounding ourselves with people that were motivated. And I think as a, as a future discussion, that's another great topic of who you choose to surround yourself with. Are you, are you around just lop dicks that, that don't better themselves or are you, are you the weakest person in your group? Like that, that's a really powerful thing to realize that I might be the saddest sack in this group. And so to aspiring to be better and watching and, and using that group and power and, and support to motivate you. But that's different than, Hey, I don't want to do this today. What do you think? And, and I'm like, no, Corey, you can do it. And, and you, you, you got to get, I'll come over to your house and make you do it. It's like, no. You and I did this the other day when you got your fucking sweet little gravel bike. You were like, oh, well, first off, you said you wanted to ride like 25 miles. No, you like, that's totally misread that text message. Yeah. Well, you really said you were going to ride 25 miles. I'm like, that's fucking insane talk. No, so that was a that. goal. That's, yeah. That was a goal. Okay. But I thought that was your goal for that day. And I was like, I don't <laughs> want to like shit on your parade, but that's not happening because I'm, I'm not even going to do that on a book, on a bike that has no motor. You have no motor. I had a bike that had a motor that day. So I was like, but you didn't want to meet me where we met because you knew there was a hill at the end. And I was like, no, nah, dude. And, and I kind of fucking like, snowballed you a little bit. I, I sold you a little bit and uh, uh, some snake oil shit. And I, and I, I polished that turd just enough for you to believe you that. Sold. It was, That's a very, uh, it's an interesting way of framing a lie. No, I didn't lie to you. Like I couldn't, I, I didn't tell you there wasn't a hill, you know, goddamn good and well, there is that we're ending on the climb part of it, but I just reframed it and I polished the turd enough for you to believe that it was plausible for you to do this <laughs> say it however you want yeah i didn't lie to you that's the difference lying would have, i would have said no there's no hills dude that's flat both both there and back i i i reframed your your perspective on what you were gonna face and i put it in in terms that it was attainable to you and you did it so okay. I mean, you did it we'll let the we'll let the listeners yeah, let's make not get, let's get bogged down in the semantics yeah over here. yeah because then we're gonna start yeah. talking about the shoes you wore and how ridiculous we looked and whatnot Speaker yourself, son. I, I look, I look fantastic that fucking day as I rode my fucking Turbo Vado SL. Had the best time ever. I think this. I think as we're gonna wrap this up, I think the reason we care about this stuff so much, and obviously, if you guys have joined us for for the prior six of these, you know where we're going with this stuff. You know, as we evolve and <laughs> buy badass equipment and and talk more and and do different stuff where we're trying to go with this is we truly care about this. We care about it for ourselves. First and foremost, we care about it uh, as, as what it does for us. Um, make no mistake, even though we want to be like millionaires off this podcast and have sponsors and do all that shit, this is totally for selfish reasons. Uh, we're doing this so we can get together regularly and talk through some things that I think are ignored. And one of these is what happens when we let people shirk their responsibilities when it comes to adversity. What happens when you placate people? What happens when you um, let people take the easy route? What what happens when you tell her about it's okay? You know, like, well, I didn't I didn't do this today. It's okay. You deserve that. Well, uh, you went and bought seventy nine dollars worth of KFC today. It's okay. You you it's all right because your mom texted you and and like that's what we do. We're all naturally soothing creatures and and we're all programmed to do that. And and it comes from our childhood and it comes from this. We all tell ourselves it's okay. So what's happening to society? You know, especially in in America, when we don't let kids lose, when we don't let kids face adversity when you don't get the wrong answer on a math test when you don't uh not get select well, that's a double that's a double negative i don't think that happens um my daughter wanted to be in gate class when she was younger and she didn't get into it and so what happened if if i went and demanded that she get in it well i think they probably fucking did away with the gate program at this point it's because how they don't want kids to feel like they're not smarter than the other kids and it's it, for people that don't know in california it was called gifted and talented education they literally tested you and if you were smarter than all the other little fuckers you got to go to a special class uh for the smart kids and um like that hurts people's feelings because you're not as smart as, as the other kid. They still have it. Do they? Yeah, my kids in it. Good. Fucking A. As they should, you know, like, because that that's 
yeah, you, you want to like, you want to take that kid and help them learn, but also why, why take other kids that can't perform at that level at that point in time and subject them to something that would, would suit that kid as well. They'd get left behind. So as we do all of this stuff under the guise of let's make it better on kids, if we don't, if we don't have people feel that defeat, if we don't have them feel discomfort, if we don't have them do this, life will be better. Well, we all know that to not be fucking true because how do you prepare your kid for life? I'll, I'll use my daughter as an example. And I've, I've tried really hard her whole life to, to not do this for her because I didn't want to be the person that, that made sure she, she got to play on the soccer team. She has to earn it. She has to do this. She has to do that. Cause who knew that her senior year in high school, right before, um, she was dating a junior at the time. Don't ask me why she was a senior, um, but they were supposed to go to his junior prom and school got canceled because of COVID. That's when it was all hitting was last spring. That's her senior year. My kid waited her whole fucking life to graduate 2020 and walk across the stage and have her whole family there and throw up her cap. She didn't get to do any of it. It all got canceled. Junior prom, senior ball, uh, fucking senior night, all of it. It's gone. She didn't know whether she's going to go to college and live in the dorm. And even though she has gotten to go up there, it is nothing like it's supposed to be. She's been robbed of all of that. And every fucking time she asked me, what do you think, dad? What is this going to happen? I'm like, first off, kid, it's a global pandemic. And I don't know how those go. So like you're asking a guy that hasn't been through this. Um, so I don't know how this is going to go. I don't see them canceling graduation. Sure. Shit. Here we go. They're canceling graduation thing after thing, after thing, after thing. And it was like, we got to roll with it, kid. We'll just, we're just going to make the best of it. Everything that comes, we're going to just do the best we can. Probably not going to look like you envisioned it. Sure. Shit. Not going to look like I envisioned it. I don't know, but that's what we're going to have to do. And I'm super proud of what she did and how she got through that. But I guarantee you, and I watched it on Facebook. I watched all these groups and all these people are like, this isn't fair. This isn't that. I'm like, what the fuck is fair about a pandemic? You know, like, yeah, I don't agree with the choices that they made. And in hindsight, I think as we study this over the next five or 10 years, you're going to see some shit that was like, this was mishandled on, on a lot of levels, but Hey, they're making the decisions they need to make for the good of the, of the order, especially early on when they don't know what this is going to do to people. And so what the fuck is fair and not fair about that? How is, how is where in, in life and in nature, does it say that you get the fair card? You can just hold it up and go, you know what? That's not fair. That doesn't fucking happen. If I knock on somebody's door and tell them their kid just got killed in a car accident, that sure is fuck not fair. But those people don't get to go. This isn't fair. You take that back. That's not fair that I, that I feel that way. I'm like, sorry for the news. Talk to the chaplain. Yeah, no, it's, it's shitty. And, and I, hopefully a lot of people, you know, come to the realization that they, I think people will find themselves often unhappier than they could be if they define their own happiness and the things that they are looking for and working towards, you know, to allow another organization or external source to be the, the harbinger or the contributing factor to success or failure. You know, I think that has to be defined within yeah, there's, I mean, there's like KPIs, you know, things like that, that you can use to track what successor key performance indicators. There you go. Sorry. For those um, of you that can't see what I just did, I was yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck you just um, throw on a KPI out there. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, KPIs. Yeah. Gotcha. For sure. Uh-huh. So, um, you and your fucking brain maps, mind maps. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but to, to not track it's, we, we have to, we have to cultivate and, manifest and maintain our own form of happiness. And I think that this pandemic and these things, you know, uh, have shown us that we can't rely on the conventional graduation ceremony to provide that level of fulfillment, you know, for the work that she put in, she fucking earned it. She did her things, you know, but hopefully, you know, as she continues to go on throughout life, she's not checking all these fucking boxes to get this other thing that is in conjunction with others. And then she is no longer in control of whether or not she shall end up being happy with her efforts. Yeah. You know, that satisfaction has to come from within. She has to know why she's doing things for her own motivation. Yeah. And oftentimes it's, it's going to be in conjunction with other people or a, a ceremonial type thing. But at the end of the day, develop the, the, the coping and thinking skills of 
I didn't do it just for that reason. Right. I did it for other reasons and to not allow that to detract, you know, from all the hard work and effort that she's put forth. Yeah. And I think one of the things I want to wrap up on is, is it's a quote I'll probably use multiple times throughout the history of this podcast, all 17 episodes that we're going to do. Um, now we're going to do a lot more than that. It's again from Jordan Peterson. He's probably one of my favorite um, um, people out there right now. And, and in it, in a podcast he did or something like that, he said, be the most useful person at a family funeral. And I was really struck by that. And because I hadn't personally had to attend too many family funerals at that point, but um, within a year of hearing that statement, um, both of my grandmothers passed away within eight days of each other. So it was really hard on, on my family. I, I, my mom and dad, my dad first, and then my mom both lost their mothers within eight days of each other. And that's, that's tough to watch your family go through that. And, um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing of, of being in law enforcement for over 20 years. And then also my brother being in the military, we've been through some shit and we've faced adversity and we've time and time and time again, been confronted with different things like that. And it struck me. I kept thinking about that because there's a lot that goes on in planning a funeral and, and watching family be involved in the, the process of death and then doing it again. Uh, my parents had to go up for, for my mom's mom. Um, while my brother and I had to take my grandfather to the funeral home uh, to view my, my grandmother, my dad's mom, they, that happened the day that my, my mom's grand my mom's mother died the day that we were supposed to go to, to the funeral home. And so they were like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, don't worry, we, we got it. We'll, we'll go get him. And, and I was honored that we could be there for him. And, but I know that there were probably other members of my family that were not suited to doing that. And so all of those choices in life, all those hard crossroads, all those KFC moments that you have there, you have to look at it as the bigger. I, I never knew that I would consciously, that I would be asked to, to be useful during the funerals of my grandmothers. And yet we were, we, we, we had to rise to that occasion. There were no other alternatives because who else is going to take my grandfather? He can't drive himself there. Like who else is going to do that? I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to watch this man that, that I've known a certain way cry over my grandmother's body. I sure shit don't want to see that. Like I, I don't want to do any of that stuff, but there is no other alternatives there. And if I'd have made a lot of other choices in my life leading up to that, I wouldn't have been prepared for that. And I think, I think in closing, that's really what we're all looking at is, is during these, not to just harp on the tragedy thing, but we're all going to be faced with those things. And I think that's why his statement is so profound. Uh, unless we all check out first, unless you're the funeral that everybody's at. But I have to look at it in those terms. Like, let's say that I had died at a younger age. Um, so I didn't have to, to, to witness the deaths of my grandmothers. Um, my daughter would have to go through that. And what if I didn't prepare her for that? What if she's, she has to attend my funeral before I attend my grandmother's funerals. And I didn't, I didn't help her be able to face that adversity. So in, in that, in that statement, be the US, most useful person at a funeral. There's a lot that comes in that because it takes away your selfishness. I was grieving as much as anybody else in my family, maybe not as much as my dad and my mom, they were not my mothers, but I can then see on the horizon that I will someday be facing. If the natural order of things occur, I will someday be facing doing what they're doing for my own parents. And if I'm falling apart now, how the fuck is it going to be any easier when it's, when it's, when it ratchets closer to me. And so that, that was, that's a saying that really stuck with me when I heard it. And then I was tested within it and I'm sure we'll all be tested again. And so for those of you out there that have, that have stuck with us for this hour and, and helped us and listen to us like navigate this, this mental, this mind map, if you will, um, of, of, what we wanted to talk about just so you guys all understand how we're doing this. Like we're not professional broadcasters, even though we have professional broadcast equipment. Now, uh, we come up with a topic. We have a list of them. We talk about what we want to talk about. We write out some notes and stuff. And, um, me personally, I am not the type to try to write out large things. If I'm, we're going to do quotes, obviously I write those down, but for the most part, what you're listening to is two guys sit here and navigate a very loose topic. What we know today, we wanted to talk about facing adversity and, and so 
whether you like it or not, that's for you to decide of how we navigate these things. We always try to come back to points and topics and, and stay within that parameters, but we're giving ourselves a lot of latitude to navigate these things. And as, as our brains work through this, um, I think you can, uh, see where we've gone in these seven episodes and stuff. So that's kind of how we're film or recording these. That's kind of what we're doing. That's kind of how we come together for this. And cause we want it to be organic and we want it to feel natural, nat- natural. Oh, I'm so fucking tired. No, it's, I mean, I think it's an important note, you know, to make is the fact that this isn't being done with the intention other than for us to better ourselves and to share this experience and journey with others in hopes that it can add value and benefit them as well. You know, it's all about self-care. And and I think the best analogy that I learned to express that, to make it simple, is the instruction that you get when you get on an airplane. Put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Take care of yourself, whether that's however you quantify that within your own life. Take care of yourself so that in the time of need, you can be of service to others. To go back to your point, you know, from from your quote from Jordan Peterson, it's be the best version of yourself so that you can take care of other people. Yeah. You know? acts of service. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for, for helping me uh, figure out how all this podcast shit works. Yeah. Yeah. It's only, it's only upwards from here, right? Oh yeah. It's only going to get better. Fuck yeah. I'm so excited. Visibly. If you guys can see this right now, which they will be in the future. Hell yeah. That's the next, that's the next step. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another week and we'll catch you on the next one.